Hey, how's it going? Assalamu alaikum. Peace. It's Imran here. So this is the next in the Insight series where I and Ilyas Karmani, Imam, psychologist, counsellor, therapist, uh, some would say Muslim sex doctor, which will be quite useful in this episode, um, sit down and discuss a particular topic which we feel uh, doesn't get enough airtime. And on this occasion, we're talking about the wedding night. In the previous episode, we spoke about wedding culture and the difference between uh, the desire to get married and the lack of preparation in being married. And now we're talking about what happens immediately after that. Uh, to give you an idea, uh, we start off with this, uh, with this notion of ruksati, which exists in many, many cultures, whereby you have the wedding, but that doesn't, ne doesn't necessarily mean two people are then together to live as a married couple. There is kind of a period in between. So we look at that. And then we move on quite swiftly to the actual first night where people are intimate with each other. And the real problems that Elias has experienced when talking to people, the, experience, the problems that they've experienced uh, on their first night. And um, it actually is a little bit sad uh, that we have to talk about this, but because of a culmination of factors, it means that many, many, many people, possibly the majority of people, have a negative experience with their partner on the first night. Um, and we delve into exactly why that's the case um, and look at some of the extrinsic reasons and the intrinsic reasons um, and try and make sense of what's going on out there uh, and then we move on to what are the potential solutions. And yes, of course, it does lie in education, but we look a lot deeper than that. Um, and, you know, pretty much everything in between. We do meander a bit. I mean, that's what Elias and I do. Some of this is extremely lighthearted. Um, for example, there was a time when Elias had to uh, talk somebody through their first night in real time via WhatsApp that's actually something that's that's happened and he, he he speaks he speaks about that and then there's you know some some darker stuff which he comes across which um you know it was quite painful to talk about it's probably quite painful to listen to but nonetheless it's extremely useful um i don't think i need to put an explicit kind of rating on this on this particular episode um, but we are very candid and we are very open and we do our best not to be vulgar or rude in the process. It is just a case of talking openly about something which is of critical importance. So see what you think. Um, I'd love to hear your comments. Um, you know, constructive criticisms, always welcome. And I leave my details at the end for you to be able to email in or contact me via social media. So here we go. This is Insights, and it's wedding night. So the wedding's over, the nikah's been done. Mm -hmm. And if you're from Pakistani, Bengali, or Indian background, you might have this thing called a Rukhsati. Yeah, the Ruxati is basically the uh, when the girl leaves the home. Actually, it's from the Sharia because it's when Aisha radiallahu anha left Abu Bakr's home, came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Right. So yeah, this is actually something which has some Islamic basis to it. The girl leaving. So the 
the actual nikah doesn't necessarily mean that two people are alone. They are most likely the 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 woman is going to be staying at her family home, and then the rukhsti is the point at which she moves to her husband's. Home. That's correct. Yes. Right. So although you know after the nikah, a couple are halal for each other, there will be a social agreement, which is that no, she doesn't leave her parental home until after the Rukhsati. How long does that period, can that last? Look, that period can be anything from what, you know, obviously all the parties have agreed. So it can be anything from, you know, weeks to years. What? Yes, of course it can. Years? Yeah, yeah. So let's say that, I'll give you a simple example, she's 16. So they've had an akad at 16, you know, uh, where they've had an agreement to to marry and, and they get married. However, he's finishing studies, she's finishing studies, and they decide to actually live together at 20. That's allowed. That's fine. So why get and, married? And, and, but in the meantime, and again, these are cultural issues. So what they would say is the reason they've got married, some of the cultural reasons given on the male side, and I hear it in uh, my own Pakistani culture, which is that, oh, if he's married, he's responsible now for somehow. He's, he's, he, he won't mess around and things like this. Ah. And the other thing is, I think, I, I like to look at it like this. I think it's good to have a, heart, a middle ground, which is like, you're not fully living with each other. You're like a boyfriend, and, halal boyfriend and girlfriend type of situation. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that's good. That's good. You, it's a getting to really getting to know each other time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for, for two individuals. Uh, and, uh, you know, they can have interaction, they can talk, and it's going to be in a, in, a, in a halal way. So, yeah, that's, I don't think there's, it, it, it's something which is an established part of Muslim culture on a global okay. level. And, and, you know. and but that, if it's too long and it's too arbitrary, then mm-hmm. it's, of course it's a problem, you know, obviously. And when is, typically, when is the marriage consummated? Is it post-Nikah or post-Ruxati? Okay. You know, culturally, it will be post-Ruxati. Right. Legally, Sharia yes. is post-Nikah. Obviously, you know, we are, um, you know, post-Nikah. We know we're, we're dealing with, you know, f- a male and female, obviously, who are, you know, are past the age of puberty, obviously. Well, clearly they're getting married. And well, obviously, in this culture, it has to be in British society. You can't get married unless you are... 16 without parental consent so obviously you can't it can't be done in any age lower than 16. fine yeah so and and let's be you know let's be clear that not all marriages have this kind of cultural aspect to it no you know that's right um, and what 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 interesting things that does happen here is this yeah look a couple do the nikah they'll start talking to each other and uh uh, you know, there's an agreement that the Rukhsati will be the summer after. Uh-huh. But, you know, they couldn't just stick to playing patter cake. <laughs> <laughs> it got me carried away. It got me carried away. And, you know, look, it's not haram because obviously, you know, yeah, okay, it might break an agreement that would be made by parents. But, you know, come on, man, you've got two young people and they're into each other, man. What do you expect is going to happen, you know? Mm, okay. You know, so, yeah. Um so whether it's two young people or two older people, yeah. people have been married before, no, no, who not... haven't been married before. Yeah, yeah, sir. Um, there is what in Latin is termed, which I picked up from the film Braveheart. Okay. Prima nocte. 
Okay. First night. First night. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh-huh. uh, this is this is tricky territory for people who are getting together who don't come from a culture whereby you hook up or you have lots of sexual partners um, that you may have had a bad experience. Basically, you're inexperienced about it, right? Uh, so, there, there's something actually more fundamental than the inexperience. Does anyone instruct anyone about how to deal with the first night? No one. There's no guidance. Don't, no, mo- don't mothers talk to daughters? I, I don't think they do. I, I don't. I have so many cases where people, they'll talk to their mates or they'll talk to someone. And often it is the worst advice going. Yeah. Absolute worst advice. And we have some, uh, uh, I've dealt with horror stories linked to first night, which have been more or less, uh, the females have reported that they've just felt they've been violated and raped, you know, and you know, I, I, if we're going to have an honest discussion about this, you know, we've got to realize it. And I'm not saying it's a, it's a nightmare for everyone here. Okay, of course not. But what I'm saying is that, you know, the fact that we don't even talk about this stuff, the fact that no one's instructed people, the fact that after the event, no one was going to talk about it either, it just creates enormous opportunity, uh, kind of, uh, 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 you know, possibilities that people are going to be very, have a negative experience. What of for what should be a phenomenal experience in their life. It should be an amazing, wonderful experience in their life. And instead it ends up sometimes being a trauma. And uh, like I said, tantamount to violation and rape, you know, because I've had a case. Sorry, rape. Let me tell you why, you know, you're, you're married, essentially you marry a stranger. Yeah. And suddenly you just have sex with them. Well, it's yeah. consensual then. It's not consensual. You know, yes, it's consensual. Both have said yes, yes, I suppose it's consensual in the in the, in the the technical sense. But you can but, feel violated. Uh, I'll give you a simple example. I had a, a, a case of a female. Uh, she was around five foot tall. The man was a, much bigger than her. Uh, six foot, very large, heavy build guy. Mm. He's been told by his uncle, get in there. You just got to do it, you know, literally is like, you've got to get in there first time, get in there, get in there, you know, push your way in. Okay, obviously, you know, she's a virgin, you know, he has to penetrate the hymen membrane, which is painful, mm-hmm. you know, again, varies depending on, 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 on the woman. For some, it can be, obviously, a, it's a tear. And for others, it, there's a little bit of bleeding. For others, there's a lot of bleeding. For others, for some, it's uh, uh, quite painful. For others, it isn't. He just said, no, 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 don't worry about it. Just push your way in, push your way in. A five-foot slight woman with a very large man on top of her and violently uh, penetrating her. He was distressed as well. Mm. She was massively distressed. Mm. It took him six months after that before they could even have intimacy again. Wow. You know? Because no one has instructed them. And I actually, you know, and, I, and I've had lots of cases where, alhamdulillah, I had one case, it was a brilliant case where literally, actually twice, two or three times, where I've literally been WhatsApping the person all through the night. What? <laughs> I know, so I'm there. On well, the you're, the, you're, you're, ah. you're there in the, <laughs> you're there in the room? No, I'm virtu- not, I'm In the not. virtual room? I'm uh, just kind of like, just, just giving them guidance along the way. What the? <laughs> 
What? You've got to be kidding. No, I'm not kidding. You've never told uh, me this. Oh, uh, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, I, I had a case of one guy who all the way through that, and he was so appreciative. What, like, what do I do? And yeah, yeah, how to happen? Uh, what, are you getting running commentary? Teaching him how to kiss, bro. What? Teaching guys how to kiss women. Where to kiss them? Where to kiss them? How to do foreplay? How to go through the whole thing? How to, and and look, the number one rule. I thought you were an imam, not some kind of sex guru. Well, you know, as you know, that's in one of my jobs as well. But look, Imran, look, the first rule on first night issues is that you do not have to have sex to take the pressure off. You do not have. There's nothing which says you have to have penetrative sex. You have to. You know, I know there's certain mid Middle Eastern cultures where you've got to show bloody sheets, yeah? What? If, if you don't show a blooded sheet, it's like almost like a dishonor because it shows that, oh, the girl is not a virgin, yeah? So it's honor-based issues here, yeah? So there there are certain cultures which have these quirky cultural aspects, yeah? Mm. And uh, But no, the first thing is this. You do not have to have sex. There's no pressure. Especially after a long day where you've been at an event all day long and and then suddenly... Weddings are stressful anyway. Yeah, so you're probably not in the best psychological tired, condition, are you? You're tired and this and that and, and then you go to a hotel and then it's an unusual space and everything else. And yeah, uh, you know, so it's, it's get the pressure off. The first thing is this, talk, have a mature discussion with each other and say, there's no pressure. You know, we're just going to get to know each other. But equally, sometimes it's about playing, being emotionally intelligent enough here because a female can feel very rejected mm. because the guy's trying to be emotionally sensitive and intelligent saying, you know what, uh, you know, with no pressure, no pressure. And she feels rejected. And she said, look, I'm, you know, I'll be waiting for this moment, guy. What's the matter with you? And you're suddenly, is a, you know, something not right. And, and I've had other men with a lot of anxiety issues on the first time, massive anxiety issues. Anxiety. Anxiety. Performance anxiety, expectation, body image issues, loads of issues that people have. You know, come on, you know, it's so like... So we normally associate blokes with that whole kind of, uh, you know... Tough. Yeah, tough know, exterior macho. and, you know, really one-track mind and, you know, the ability to just go for it, like you said, with the other guy, right? But really the reality is, is that there's a whole complex set of thoughts and emotions taking place within men. Yeah, because, you know, again, this is a person you don't really know. This is you know a new new experience for you you want it to be special etc etc you're tired maybe like i said after a whole long long day so there's lots of things kind of playing out number one rule i always say is this get to know each other you do not have to have a gay make uh have sexual intercourse on the first night you don't have to do this okay it's not something where you it is a prescription for you to do that get to know each other Spend you know build it up build it up take it at your own pace make it a, 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 a special event the foundations of good intimacy between a married couple are communication trust and respect so talk to each other build that rapport with each other build the understanding and the connection that you have with each other and then the rest comes because there's the trust which is built on that and you find the respect is there as well and, and look, now we have some interesting kind of scenarios that I've had to deal with over, over the years. One, let's say, is a scenario where we have uh, a female who's a virgin, inexperienced, never had been in a relationship in her life, and a male who obviously has had multiple relationships. It's a very common scenario that, mm. that I have. And, and, and therefore, the male is using his baseline, which is, our, you know, 
I wanted to, you know, he, he expects a performance straight away. He's experienced, yeah, and he's expecting a performance. No, absolutely not. You know, go at her pace. Make it special. Make it a safe emotional and physical space for her to where she feels she wants to kind of be there. And, you know, remember that the whole process is about the deep emotional connection that and, and, and the deep emotional security that you give towards her. You know, it's not a physical act that you just want to have to robotically get out of the way it's got to be much more than that so there, there, there are challenges issues then there another kind of interesting scenario is where a male male or maybe the female as well have had an experience they're not a virgin and uh, either because they're previously married or they were in relationships before uh, and my own my own opinion is that if you're a virgin you should marry a virgin if you're if right. you if you've had relationships beforehand choose someone who you know it's not it's not a, my own this is my own mm. opinion because two people who have never been uh, have saved themselves for each other and have never were both virgins who have they, their baseline is going to be exactly the same and you know what they when they connect with each other it can be a beautiful and wonderful thing uh, that that kind of you know flourishes and, and and grows. Whereas sometimes where you have one person who's had lots of experience and the other one who hasn't, the same appreciation, the same you know. There's a of, disconnect there. Mm, it can be. It can be. Or you know sometimes you know I've had I, I have, I've had terrible cases where you know a male who has a particular idea of what they want to, on the first night have almost forced women to do that you know, on the first night, whereas, you know, this is, this is a female who's never had any experience even of kissing, and then, you know, this person saying, well, do this, do that, do this, do that, yeah? And it's been very traumatizing for them. Uh, and it shows a complete lack of emotional intelligence on the part of the man here that they're making these particular demands. Where are these expectations coming from? Well, obviously, if the male themselves have a baseline, then they're already assuming that, oh, she should just go with it. He doesn't realise he hasn't spoken to her. I said communication, trust and respect. Actually, what, I'm, what, what I'm thinking of here is actually um, kind of the insidious nature of porn. Of course. Because you, know, you, can, you can be a virgin. But you be, you're, you're highly pornified. And Imran, you're absolutely spot on. Because we don't talk about these issues at all in a mature way, then unfortunately the two primary uh, mediums for, for educating people about this are the peer group, uh -huh. So he's talking to the lads. The lads are saying, oh, you've got to do this, mate. You've got to do that, mate. Clueless themselves. Or they go into the online space, watch pornography, and think pornography should inform of that. And the porn, if anyone's seen my videos on porn, is the most anti-sex medium out there. Porn is profoundly anti-sex. You know, it's against intimacy. It's about it's misogynistic. To it's total objectification. That's all you see it as. And uh, self-gratification, objectification, male-centered. So you've got actually men marrying women who are highly influenced by the porn. Pornified porn, porn, porn guys. guys. And and now it's it's the first night. It's the first time, that, and that's it sounds like a recipe for a disaster. Actually. Of course it is. Yeah, and and this is where I said it. You know, the compassion is out the window. Sensitivity is out the window. The whole emotional, the psychological side's gone. Yeah, and again, I, we, we keep on going back to this consistent theme that people need guidance. And you know, the course that I run on this, you know, which is all about how to 
kind of like supercharge your sex life uh, and you know how to build that connection is that the official title well yeah supercharge, supercharge your sex no life. no actually there is it's called it's called the joy of muslim sex love and intimacy you know that's what i call it but people get outraged by the title because we people are just so sensitive because there is no joy in sex is there well yeah that's it you know but there is one where i call it midlife revival and I'll challenge the whole concept of midlife crisis, yeah. And actually, you know what? You could be in your 40s and 50s and still have an amazing, you know, intimacy with your married partner. And, uh, you know, there's an interesting individual who writes a book on this. I can't remember the name, but they've been, they've been together for nearly 30 years. And they say every time that they have intimacy, it's still like it's the first time, yeah? Because, you know, they well are... Well done them. Yeah, yeah. Because they have that emotional connection and that they have that flow with each other. And clearly a lot of time as well. Yeah, well, alhamdulillah, <laughs> good on them, you know. Uh, now, you know, and, and look, you know, I have guys, they're so insecure. They, they take Viagra on the first night, for example, because they realise, oh, I have to, you know. And that in itself is now creating a psychological dependency on Viagra to maintain an erection, yeah, rather than actually you're perfectly healthy and normal. So the point I'm saying here is this, yeah, that... The, if we do not provide mature, robust advice and guidance how to navigate this particular one-off experience in your life, you know, it's just, it's just, a, it's just a complete one-off experience in your life that you want it to be life-affirming and not something which is traumatizing, then uh, or something which is a negative experience. You know, without the guidance, then you know it's just left to these other negative influences. Like I said peer group or you'll have that uncle who's just you know that typical uncle or you get in there do your thing so typical so get in there do her and then go make whistle <laughs> so straight away he's ejaculated straight away he's there whistle come back of course, in, and this is important, you have to make whistle yeah. you're in a state of janaba so you have to make whistle that's, so not, that's the, not the, the issue play. get in there yeah do it do it Get washed. That's right. That's quite a simple formula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you don't realise that, you know, she also is supposed to get the pleasure out of this phenomenal experience well, hang on, in her hang life. On, and, 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 and there's a big difference between obviously male and female sexuality. For women, the experience is profoundly emotional. This is the psychosexual world. We talk about this. For women, the experience is a profoundly emotional experience. For men, it's a physical experience. Really? Yeah. And, uh, and obviously everything's being processed in the brain because it's the brain where all the nerve endings come back and all the, the uh, brain chemicals, the the dopamine, the oxytocin, the serotonin, the norepinephrine, everything's happening in the brain. All the neurons are firing, that's what it is, yeah? The nerve endings go to the private parts, yeah? And uh, so you're right, the construct is already there. And sometimes that construct is a very, very distorted construct of what is healthy behavior. So I think the point I'm making here is this, that- Yeah, that people need guidance, I've got that. Yeah, that yeah. thing I can't, like again, we're into the realms of, uh, dealing with these issues pragmatically in order to kind of lay the foundations for a successful experience right mm. and that foundation is what how you guide how can you guide people how, how can how can people be guided in a way which doesn't feel really awkward and difficult hey, why should it be awkward well people do because feel the awkward quran, no no this. the quran states it permitted for you on the nights of the fast this is ramadan is sexual inter intercourse Okay, the verse You are a garment for her, she is a garment for you Is that two bodies are garments for each other It's a beautiful mm. example mm. Go to your tilth as you, Look, the Quran is not an X-rated book Of course, now the billah It is actually, you know, you know, this is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So the guidance is already there 
it's already in, in the Quran. So now we're not saying that, uh, you know, inventing anything here. We're just saying that let's just have a, a mature, informed discussion based on the guidance that we already how is this have. Hist- how has this historically been done then? Okay. And look, I, I would have thought that really, I would have thought historically it's done by a father instructing the son and mother instructing the daughter. Or the males in the community yeah, instructing the son. exactly. You know, or males or an imam mentoring them and, and instructing them through it. And I, I do it. I'll take a young person under the wing and I'll, when I'll talk to them about the winning night and I'll say to them, look, you know what? First, uh, you know, they want some basic... Just first, any question. Ask me any question. That's very important. Mm. Then you can dispel... Are they not shy? Um, well, after You're quite a while, intimidating, aren't you? No, no, but I mean, when it is when you reali- when they when they realise oh they can say anything they want and you know I'm I'm not phased by it. You're a safe space. Yeah, then it, then they open up about the everything they want to talk about and I say look, everything. Let's talk about anything and everything. Nothing is out of bounds in terms of our conversation and and discussion. And then it's a bit of coaching, a bit of instruction. Do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. And you know, uh, and and the important kind of aspects of what you need to do to make this create a, such a strong bond between you and your wife you know and then also realize that you know this is part of a long you know the first night even you know how amazing it p- can potentially be you know it's still gonna be a bit of fumbling around and uh, enjoy it have fun as well don't have a massive amount of pressure on you oh and, and that, that everything has to be perfect and look perfect and everything else have fun have a laugh Humor is so important here. Enjoy each other's company. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, you know, uh, you know, don't put yourself under a massive amount of pressure. You know, and uh, and having to perform. You know, I had a case recently, Iran. You won't believe this. this I called them the no sex couple, and uh, you know, they were married for ten years. They never had sex once in ten years. Hmm? Yeah. Never had. Every time the male tried to have penetrative sex with the female, I've had quite a few cases like this where, you know, women who have something called vaginismus, which is basically painful penetration, and it's often it's a psychological. It's not something called purpurea, which is whereas the disorder is linked to a physical. Uh, so it's a psychological uh, shutdown. So so therefore it's where there's a psychological uh, tightening of 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 the pelvis area. Vaginal tract, which causes therefore penetration to become quite uh, painful, and then muscle spasms as well. Then create, re, you know, create a, a, a kind of feedback, positive feedback, where it becomes, I don't like this, I don't like this, because remember everything's going, and uh, and then the partner obviously becomes distressing for the partner as well, because obviously, you know, the female is in pain and difficulty and discomfort and then they have anxiety and then this creates a real kind of like action reaction so so this particular couple they married 10 years and he had he started cheating on her it's inexcusable that the guy's playing around uh, but he sought other kind of sexual fulfillment outside of the marriage because whenever he tried to have intimacy with his wife she was unable to have this now that would be understandable let's say in the first month of a marriage three months of a marriage maybe even the first year of a marriage that you know she's having problems yeah. uh, in in terms of uh, you know uh, having penetrative sex you know, I've had a lot of couples over the years who have problem with penetrative sex, and again, right down to a range of factors. 
uh, and they have to seek help. They have to seek help. In fact, it is wajib for them to seek to help because obviously, you know, uh, if the Prophet allowed a woman to divorce her husband based on his impotency and his inability to actually penetrate or his inability to sexually fulfill her, then vice versa. You know, you, if, you, if, you, if the intimacy matters are not functioning, you have to seek help. Because this is one of the halal things of the marriage, okay, you know. So, and these are two very intelligent people, you know, in, in the worldly sense, but in the emotional sense, in the relationship sense, they were really at a very low baseline. Mm-hmm. This is what you get. Highly professionals, doctors, engineers, all this kind of stuff, yeah. Comes to this stuff, clueless. Mm-hmm. And, and, and guess what? Culturally, oh, we can't tell anyone. Mm. No, they didn't even go to the GP or, Now it's inexcusable uh, And obviously he started playing away from home I'm not going to justify his behaviour It's unacceptable, it's haram what he did But he just With the tools that he had and the, With the thinking that he had That was the only way he felt he could express himself Yeah, By having affairs And hooking up with other women Because he couldn't do it with his uh, wife Now after one year It's difficult enough After two years After three years it went to ten years, man. That's that's unbelievable. I I I'm I'm not. I was like taken aback. I suppose you kind of you end up living in denial almost, and or were, it becomes uh, something uh, that isn't part and of the she, relationship. And, and in in the relationship counselling, when I did it with them, you know, that was it. Total denial on her part. Total denial that this was the reason why he was uh, playing away from home, and also that that why I I was dumbfounded. Why couldn't you just seek help? Why didn't you do something about this? Why were no embarrassment to talk about it embarrassment that will result in the breakup of their marriage as well and that's one of the other reasons why i think you know when people have these massive weddings with all the families Mm. and all this come on the pressure to stay together after the massive big wedding that you've had is phenomenal Mm. you know on on an individual if you think about it i've actually had these cases where women said oh i can't divorce him after three months six months nine months even though he's beating the crap out of her Mm. you know why? Because we had the big wedding. Bestie issues. Mm. I've, I've got a case just this Sunday, yeah? It's terrible. In, married less than a year. She's got a child. No, just over a year now. She's got a child now. He's been smashing living daylights out of her. You know, subhanAllah. Poor lass, yeah? And family are so ashamed that their daughter had to leave. Mm. You know, this kind of situation. And all the big wedding and everything else. Thousands. They haven't even paid off the wedding, the cars and the wedding, and all that kind of stupidity. Yeah? So you. Um, so going back onto this case of the ten-year marriage. Go on. Yeah. You. Um, you kind of branching into psychosexual dysfunction. Mm. How common is this? Okay. Look, uh, if we consider that the most powerful sexual organ is the brain, because obviously the you know the private parts, the penis, the clitoris labium the vagina everything else connects back to what's going on in in the brain and so therefore the our, our psychology and the construct of of what is you know our approach to sex and sexuality is very powerful as you said if you have been a pornified boy watch it, who have been who's been brought up in porn of objectifying women you have been you're wired in a particular way mm. that's it your wiring is in a particular way your whole kind of and so you're right psychosexual factors are very important factors and you know so you know does does this affect all couples no what i would say is that where there is a clear problem in intimacy you know due to the inability to let's say be intimate with one another 
although intimacy has become associated with a negative experience or a trauma, then you need help. Where things, you know, most couples will just generally go through a little, just kind of trial and error, trying things out, and just slowly getting better and better at stuff. Mm. You know, and, and, and jelling and things like that. That, that. That's how most people do it, you know. So that's going to be, and they don't, won't necessarily have any kind of problems. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with going to a, an expert you know, a sexologist, especially if it's a Muslim sexologist who can give you advice. Muslim, hang on, hang on. M Muslim sexologist. Yes, Muslim sexologist, yeah. As someone who understands the cultural context of Muslim communities, understands what Islam teaches on halal and haram on this issue, and also understands the body of evidence around what is really, you know, kind of like enhances your so sexual So essentially culturally and religiously sensitive psychosexual therapy. That's right, yes. So are there enough of these people around? There are... How many people are around? I only know one, Imran, you know that. I only know one of these I only guys. Know, I only know one as well. Yeah, exactly. So we only know one. You must We're be inundated. The Muslim sex doctor. And, you know, I get clients from all over the world, <laughs> alhamdulillah. And you look, look, you know why people... You know, a lot of people say, oh, how how can you even do this? It's a shame. It's a shameful thing. Oh, that's, that's just nonsense. No, no, I do. I get it. A lot of that's people nonsense. say it's shameful. How can, and you know what? When you consider that sex is fundamental to human procreation and development, it's not. The opposite is shameful. The fact that it yeah, isn't yeah. dealt with. Yeah, yeah. And if you are not dealing with these issues, as I said, for 10 years, a couple not had intimacy. It's not good for her. It's not good for him. And it clearly had the detrimental effect. Their marriage ended. You know. you know, talk about like the cultural differences within the Muslim community as to the attitude towards this. I always hear the fact that I tell you, I, I once sat down in Ramadan a few a few years ago with a bunch of uh, Syrian guys. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. It was just a regular iftar. We were there to break fast, and um, being from a South East Asian background, mm. India, in case you're wondering. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm yeah. I I have these conversations with you all the time, and yeah. I'm, I'm I'm pretty open. I, I consider myself relatively woke about this stuff. But I sat there with these guys, and you know, one's a dentist, orthodontist, and you know, professional guys. They were so open mm -hmm. about this subject. Okay, good. With me present as a relative stranger there, and it was it was it was clearly part of their culture to, to talk openly about sexual issues, right? Not in a lewd way, not in a lad's way just in a very matter-of-fact way, right? That would never happen amongst a group of people of my background mm. unless they were taking the mix. So what are the cultural differences well, you come that, across? This is it. And uh, we do not disclose private matters. We do yeah. not disclose bedroom secrets. Yeah. This is very important, alhamdulillah. There are lots of sexual etiquettes and maybe in another podcast we'll go through more depth, yeah? I'm sure we will. So, and this is the thing, Islam is beautiful in terms of its perfect balance. We are neither prudish, mm -hmm. we are neither promiscuous. It's always in between. Mm. The balance that halal, foundation of marriage, in the institution of marriage, you know, it's enjoyed. And the principle on, uh, is that everything is halal unless it's explicitly made haram. So therefore, every sexual position is halal except what is explicitly made haram. So we know anal sex is explicitly made haram. It's in sex, in sexual intercourse, penetration during menses, okay, is haram. You know, Allah Ta'ala says it has ada, it has harm in it. Uh, you know, sexual intercourse between a husband and wife during ihram, when the ihram is not allowed during the days of the fast. So can you see that? These are clear 
hurumat prohibitions. But outside of that, you're saying that everything is halal because the principle is that everything in muamalat is halal except and spe- if specifically made haram with a textual proof from the Quran and the Sunnah. Not someone's opinion, by the way. Hmm. Not someone's cultural biased opinion. Something which has a, a clear textual proof. You know, I've heard. You know, I've heard that um, there are lessons given by sheikhs. Yes, correct. In the haram, in Mecca, right? Um, about intimacy. Yeah. And about it. techniques and about these kind of things that they have taken place by big kind of Islamic scholars, and it's just. It's it's like amongst that particular Arab community, it happens because because if you consider the verse in Surah Al-Baqarah, which is "Go to your tilth, your hearth, as you will," yeah, that verse in the Quran has an extensive tafsir in Ibn Kathir, which talks about why how how this verse came down, and it talks about the fact that when the Muhajirun came to Medina, the Meccans obviously were a bit more city urbanites. Yeah. The Medina Medinites were more rural population, so they had, they you know they were used to it being in a particular way, i.e. Yeah. the missionary position. And in fact, they even said that if the penetration is from behind, the child is born with a squint. That's what they would have this superstition. And so, in order to clarify this, this verse came down: "Go to your child as it will." And it said, "No, from behind, which is doggy position." Mm. Okay, if it's being, if the penetration is into the the vagina, then this is perfectly allowed, okay? And uh, even the du'a, which is at the time of uh, ejaculation, you which know. I, which I can't understand, okay. you know, Which is uh, just at the time, <laughs> yeah. You know, oh Allah Ta'ala, you know, was he, Allahumma inni janib the shaitani wa janib shaitani ma razaktana, oh Allah Ta'ala, save me from the kind of, you could say, the, uh, the influence of, of shaitan yeah. and give me the blessings of, of this as well yeah so you know it's amazing we're doing a dua at the time of ejaculation it's amazing anybody can do that yeah it is a lot of my needs and the shit that's too much that's too much too much too much too much actually some say it's at the time of penetration others say at the time of ejaculation so anyway but point is it's mature we have a mature approach to this alhamdulillah so therefore any position is allowed and you know this is why Imran is so important because when you realise that there are multiple positions so the people of uh, Medina they, had, they were educated by this I have a very large man and a small woman then she should be on top and I know certain Arab cultures they say oh she cannot be on top Okay, because, you know, they think that she's dominant. No, you can't have a very, very large man on top of a small, slight woman. Also, if you want to, con- if you want to uh, enable conception as well, I'll give you a simple example. I had a brother who's disabled. He's got his wheelchair bound. So he was trying to conceive with his wife and she was on top. And I said, look, it's not going to work because obviously, you know, gravity will cause, you know, obviously your sperm to, to come out. What you've got to try to do is this. And so I explained that, you know, it's not gonna work for you if you're going for conception. So what you've got to do is ejaculate into a, a cup, maybe get her to obviously give you, uh, you know, kind of- uh, Relief. Uh, relief, yeah. And, uh, you know, that'll help you get a good amount of uh, kind of uh, sample. And then use a turkey baster method which is obviously you know it's such a romantic yeah and then you know obviously she needs to be in a slightly inclined position with her hips raised obviously at the time of her ovulation yeah use a turkey baster and then that will allow you to do do, how do we entered into conception no 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 because no no because it's about the same thing that a couple will do this for years and years and years and years thinking that why isn't it working why isn't it working and then that'll Mm. cause all kinds of problems only because they didn't go to an expert Mm. yeah Mm. that's it 
You know, you've just touched on something which we may explore further, but just probably worth commenting on, which is um, contraception. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, contraception. This is it. first night contraception. Having time to get to know each other. Look, why? Why is contraception? I tell, I, I tell you why I mentioned this because it seems that the way in which uh, the Catholic community approach sex or the principles of it has kind of been mirrored by mm-hmm. the Muslim community. That's so, a, for example, mm-hmm. one of the pieces of advice I was given when I was married is this is really um, this is this when I th- you think about it it's so strange right mm. it was don't use contraception but use the rhythm method which is okay. which then later on I thought hang on the rhythm method that actually you're you're trying for contraception mm. through a different method it just ha- doesn't have to be a chemical or physical barrier yeah right so what's the score here Okay, no, no, no. The, the score is look. The first thing is this. Again, it's it's kind of so. Again, you know, this bizarre that Muslims don't know what Islam teaches on this very yeah, exactly. important yeah. subject. And and because of that, then what we've done is that we're influenced by other spaces. Like I said whether it's Judeo-Christian ideas or you know mainstream liberal ideas or whatever it is, we start getting influenced by other spaces rather than you know what is Islam actually teach about this particular subject what we know is in the time of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that they did practice coitus interruptus mm. it's well known this was related by a female to the prophet wasallam, that you know her husband would do this and he said yes he can do this it will neither prevent nor it will enable but he cannot remove unless you permit him to remove. So that was interesting. There's so much I could go through just on that one hadith expressing, explaining coitus interruptus. So the men would withdraw and they would ejaculate outside of the... And sometimes this is unfulfilling for the woman because she wants to, the man to ejaculate within her. Mm. You know, but they recognize this as a contraceptive method. Because Allah says in the Quran that the conception comes as a result of nutfa amshaj. The man's nutfa and the woman's nutfa coming together. So it's amazing the fact that they had the concept of nutfa amshaj. So therefore, if the man... Re- the waters. Yeah, yeah. So if the man therefore withdrew, then his nutfa will not come into contact with hers and therefore there's no conception. So they knew this. And they knew this was a, a method that they had. The Prophet ﷺ allowed it. He mm. gave what he called takrir. That means that when it was presented to him, he did not say it was haram, he did not say it was impermissible, nor did he say that it was something which was reprehensible or discouraged or makru or anything else. Let us not, therefore, get someone to put their own bias into this. The hadith is, as we take it, it is mubah, it is permitted by the Prophet Subsequently to this, as technology develops, and you know, scholars have made a kiyas based on this. And they have allowed certain contraceptive methods, and they have actually said other others are not permitted. Yeah, can you, know? you say what? Okay, so for example, where any, any contraceptive method prevents the sperm, okay, from coming into contact with the ovum, mm-hmm. then this is allowed. You know, so barrier methods such as sponges and condoms, etc. Right. If there is a method which what it does is that it, it allows the conception. But then it prevents implantation, mm. as is the case with, you know, uh, the, pill. The, the pill as and with the coil and various others, then this is not permissible. So there are, you know, and there's some these history. are general. These, yeah, these, yeah. So there, are, yeah, yeah. there is room within those. Yeah, yeah. Right. OK, so so that's kind of like 
the general kind of approach to this. So this is the kiosk, the analogy that's been made on coitus interruptus that people then extrapolate to other contraceptive methods today. And there's an overall caveat to the whole thing, which is that, and, and this is what is important because obviously a lot of people say contraception is not allowed because they say birth control is a plot by the non-Muslims to prevent the Muslims from having children and all this kind of stuff. It's not know. working, is it? Okay, yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, to reduce, because the Prophet Sallallahu hadith that his ummah would be such a great ummah on the ummah of Qiyam, yeah. that, that, you know, yeah. not to fear poverty and all these things as a result of children. So we're encouraged to have children. However, birth control is not population control so let's be here so a couple using birth control as a means to manage their family not have child after child after child especially if the woman has particular health conditions as well mm. is a very responsible approach to managing your family mm. okay if you are using contraception as a means that you do not want to have children <coughs> and to prevent having children because you don't want him then obviously that that falls within the kind of prohibition yeah mm. you know because we should have children if you you know if the genuine if there are genuine sharia reasons why you don't have children alhamdulillah of course this is allowed let's say a man who's already got five six kids yeah mm. but then he shouldn't marry a woman who doesn't want to have kids because it's her islamic right to have kids so i sorry are you yeah. saying that uh, <coughs> actually you know what we should we should save this for save that for, for, for another for one because that's, i think that's a you know uh so so coming back to so um, so so the birth comment so the, for the first night issue Yes, somebody, therefore, needs to make a decision mm. around birth control, mm. you know, either they have a mature discussion beforehand, yeah, as mm. I've had with some couples around this, you know, uh, or, you know, the female will probably take it on her part to, to use some contraceptive method, yeah, which is, you know, permissive, permitted contraception. Who's responsible? Actually, both of them. Because look at the hadith, the Prophet says on contraception that he should not withdraw unless he has a permission. Mm. So therefore, it should be a mutual decision, mm. mutual decision, and that's a the mature approach to dealing with these things. Thank you so so much for making it to the end of the episode you are truly committed and i do appreciate that as usual if you have any comments or suggestions or would like to put yourself forward about your ideas on relationships within the muslim community i am all ears all you need to do is get in touch with me at divorcedmuslimdad at gmail.com that's divorcedmuslimdad all one word at gmail dot com uh the eagle eared if that is an expression amongst you do eagles have ears um they will remember that i was recording an episode with a friend of mine who was also divorced but who had remarried uh, that episode is coming i have recorded it um i've just decided to to publish this one first that one will follow and then i'll be recording another personal episode which will be actually about my divorce. So you've got all of that to look forward to. If you are enjoying this, please do share it. Uh, that's the best way um, that I think that you can, uh, you can help build this community and potentially help other people. So if you're enjoying it, uh, whether it's via WhatsApp or whatever messaging system you prefer, uh, just send them a link. See you next time. Assalamu alaikum.